I want to talk to you today about how to empty your vessel, how to empty your vessel. And some of you may have a clue what I mean by that. I hope by the end of this message today, you really have a sense of what it means to be emptied of self so that you can be full of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Before I get into my message, I want you to know that I'm not trying to tell you today that who you are as an individual isn't important because it is. In fact, discovering your identity in Christ is one of the most important things you can do. What I want you to know, though, is that there's a place of living from the depths of who you are in which you are not number one, but God is. And you've been emptied of yourself so much that God is able to fill you. I'm going to be starting in 2 Kings chapter 4 and in verse 1. It says, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself from all your neighbors. Even empty vessels do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour into all these vessels and you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing the vessels to her and she poured. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one more vessel and the oil stopped. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons can live on the rest. This is what I want you to get out of the story. Have you ever noticed that every scripture and every story has more than you can possibly know? And that as you read it and you get into the word, there's always more. And so there's so much in the story to talk about. But I want you to get three things out of the story today. Number one, the vessel is people. People are the vessel. In the story, this woman doesn't have what she needs. She's to go out and get empty vessels. And as long as there were empty vessels, she kept pouring oil and they kept filling up. And the oil never stopped until there were no more empty vessels. So if she had 50, the oil flowed for 50. If she had 100, the oil flowed for 100. As long as there were empty vessels, the oil flowed. So the vessels represent people. The oil represents the Holy Spirit, amen? The oil represents God's pouring out. Are you getting this today? And the moral of the story that I want you to get is that God doesn't fill vessels that are already full of something else, but he only fills empty vessels. Turn to your neighbor and say, God only fills empty vessels. Only fills empty vessels. Do you know that? Do you know that you're a vessel? That's what we were created to be. We were created to be a vessel. Now, what do I mean by a vessel? You know, uh, a, a vessel could be a ship. It could be a container, a small box or, or a jar or something like that. A vessel is simply something that carries or contains something. And I want you to know today, child of God, you were created to be a vessel. Amen. You were created to carry the spirit of the living God to a world that needs it. Let me say that one more time. You were created 
to be a vessel to carry the spirit of the living God to a world that desperately needs God. Amen. Are you getting this today? You were created to be a vessel. In fact, you and I uh, have been called to a life that is so precious, so powerful, so important that without the Holy Spirit in us, we are not up to the challenge. Come on. In fact, if you're living a Christian life that you struggle with constantly, uh, it could be that your vessel is not full of the Holy Spirit and you're trying to live the Christian life in your own power. Come on, are you with me? What a struggle and how hard it is. And you were never designed to live the life God called you to in your own strength. You were designed to be filled with the spirit of the living God so that as you go into your family, into your workplace, into your home, into your world, God can flow out of your life. Amen. Our church has been called to a mission that we can't do unless we are filled with the spirit of the living God. Come on, are you with me today? Do you understand that what God has put in our hearts and the vision that he's given us and the, the job that's before us is too great? There's not enough intelligence. There's not enough wisdom. There's not enough money. There's not enough power. There's not enough plans. We don't have what we need in ourselves. But if the Holy Spirit is in our vessel, come on, are you with me? If the Holy Spirit is in our vessel, then we have everything that we need. That ought to tell us something. It ought to tell us that our number one job is to be full of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Amen. That as we're full of the Spirit of God, we are able to do what God has called us to do. It's too much for us without being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You were never designed to just be a Christian. You see, believers don't just believe. God's children don't just believe. Can I tell you a secret? Even the devil believes in God. The devil believes in Jesus. He's more familiar with him than you are. That doesn't mean he's God's child. That doesn't mean he's headed to an eternity in heaven. That doesn't mean that he's full of the spirit of God. God's children weren't meant to just believe. But our faith, our belief, is supposed to point us to an infilling in which God can use us in the world. Are you with me today? God wants to use your life. God wants to use you. You and I were designed to be filled with the spirit of God. But you know what? We can't be full of God if we're full of other things. Come on. God don't fill vessels that are already full of other stuff. You have to be empty. Come on. Are you with me today? I wonder if your vessel is full of other things today. It's, it's you know, people get full of other stuff and then they wonder why God's not there. Well, it's because God's not there because you've been consumed with other things and you filled your life with other stuff you know some people are full of religion right they're so wrapped up in other things in religion like they're they're wrapped up in the rules they're wrapped up in why sister so-and-so didn't do what she was supposed to and they're wrapped up in the in the gossip they're wrapped up in that mindset that you know i'm i'm up here and i live at this level and praise god i'm not like those people down there some people got religion inside their vessel other people have uh, differing opinions of the people around them. They're living to please other people. Come on, you can't go on social media without people trying to uh, say things that they can get pat on, patted on the back about. They want other people's opinion to uh, enforce the, their, their lives and tell them uh, that they're doing good and that they're, they're on the right track. And they're so consumed with other people's opinions. Maybe your vessel is full of unforgiveness. 
Maybe in your heart you're so bitter and uh, outraged at what's happened in your life. Or maybe you're angry at other people, just angry at the world. People's lives are full of other things. But let me tell you something. All of those other things usually lead back to one problem that we fill our vessel with, and that is our own selves. I came to tell you today that you can't be full of the spirit of the living God if your vessel is full of you. If your life is about you, you can't be full of the spirit of the living God. So if you want God's presence in your life, if you want God's power in your life, if your Christian walk is missing something and you know it and from the depths of who you are, you realize that there's something missing. I want to challenge you today. If you will empty yourself of you, God is able to fill you up. Somebody say praise God to that. Amen. Somebody in the house. Thank you, Jesus. I want to read to you Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read 1 through 18, so hang on. I'm going to try to make it as painless as possible. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Say those two words, same mind. Being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, say those words, same love, united in spirit, say united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Those things are going to matter in just a little bit. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. He's hitting us where we live now, huh? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you. Did you catch that? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God's at work in you. And why is he at work in you? For his good pleasure. It's about him. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, So that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. I love this passage of scripture. Paul's talking about following the example of Jesus who emptied himself. Did you catch that? 
He thought it, it was nothing to Jesus to be equal with God. He didn't have to grasp at that. He was already there. Jesus, the, the, the right hand of the Father, right? The Bible says nothing was made that wasn't made by him. He is the beginning and the end. He is God, right? He had everything. He, he, he enjoyed being God. And yet what did he do? When he saw us in need, he emptied himself and he came to earth. He lowered himself even lower than the angels. He came down here in the midst of us knuckleheads. Come on. And he walked among us. And, and you can, when you read the New Testament, you see times he's getting frustrated with us, right? He's like, oh, how long do I have to suffer and put up with you people, right? Oh, you of little faith. And didn't you remember what I did yesterday? Why are you com- complaining and worried about today? I mean, like, he had to lower himself and empty himself. And it's our job to follow the example of Jesus. Amen? So let's follow his example today and in, in how he emptied himself. Number one, he emptied himself of his own personal pleasure. Can I tell you something, church? This mindset that the, the world exists for your pleasure, that you were created for your own pleasure, is not God's will for your life. Come on. Look, I like to have fun. I like to have things. I like to have stuff. I like to have success as much as anybody else. I don't go to uh, Dairy Queen and order food I don't like. I order food I like. Uh, you know, I don't sit down and watch TV shows I hate. I watch shows that I like, right? I didn't pick out a car that I hate. I picked out a car that I like. I mean, I'm all about pleasure too. Sometimes I like to uh, do things that I want to do. But listen, when you live from a place that it's all about your pleasure, it can't be about his purpose because your pleasure and God's purpose are at odds with one another from time to time. Come on. Come on. We've got this mindset in Christianity that somehow God put us here so that we could have everything we ever wanted and that he's in heaven and he's supposed to just supply everything we ever wanted. He's supposed to make life easy. He's supposed to give us whatever we want. We talk about our own dreams and what we want to do with our lives. Let me tell you something. Christianity really is this. Listen in close. It is this unfolding of all the good things that God wants to do in your life and for you. Only at some point you realize that he gives you all of those things only so you can give them away. Look at what Paul says here in the end. Jesus emptied himself and I have poured my life out like a drink offering. That means the the goodness of the drink offering is, is it's good. It could be consumed, but you pour it out. You pour it out because you're offering it up to God and you're not consuming it upon yourself. Uh, uh, But people get the mindset that, you know, I live for my pleasure. It's about me. It's about what I want. And and can I feel good? And I think of Jesus who left the streets of gold and, and left the beauty of heaven and the perfection of heaven to come down here to get spat upon. To come down here and get beaten and tortured. Jesus, who left heaven to come down here and suffer. Listen, it wasn't about his pleasure. He came down here for God's purpose, amen. And in doing so, he accomplished something that chastened the the things of this world will never accomplish. Can I tell you something? You will never be who God wants you to be if you live for your personal pleasure. 
And you'll find out that you'll just go around in circles chasing the next thing that comes your way. And the devil is good at, at throwing stuff in front of you. And you think, boy, if I could just get that one thing, then I can be happy. And then what happens? You get that one thing and you're still not happy. And so he says, oh, that's because there's a, a, a stuff over there you got to go get, right? And, oh, boy, if you could just have that husband or if you could have that wife. And can I tell you something? A husband or a wife is not going to meet the need in the depths of your soul. Come on. Oh, he makes me happy. She makes me happy. Can I tell you something? At some point when you're around them long enough, they will make you crazy. Right? Right? There's a fine line between love and murder, right? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. It's not about your pleasure. It's about his purpose. Number two, it's not about your rights. I'm going to hit you where you live now. We live in a world where everybody's worried about what's mine. This is, this is my stuff. I got, a, I got a lawn that shares a lawn with the neighbor, and he don't take care of his grass. And my grass, I, I don't think I'm going to get it to grow as long as his grass is touching it because his is full of weeds. And, and, and I, I, I would like to... Uh, take over his grass sometimes I even cut it for him just because he doesn't ever cut it and you know I like Stephen I like to just this is mine keep your weeds out of here and then the people walking the dogs and the dog always finds my yard That's right, because mine don't have no weeds. He's got to go somewhere. I'm like, well, you left your lawn. <laughs> There's a reason you left your lawn to come to my lawn, because you didn't want it in your lawn. This is mine. Get away from mine. Harold, I'm driving down the road, and they pull right in front of me. How dare you? That was my space. You made me one car length farther behind than I was before. Everybody these days is worried about what's mine, what I have a right to. Like the world needs to bow and recognize that because of who I am, you're supposed to just change everything and recognize who I am. And there's this mindset that it belongs to me. But I look at the example of Jesus who, while he was being questioned and about to be tortured and about to be crucified and murdered, he said, you know what? I could call down 12 legions of angels. I have every right. You have no right. You see, you, you can't accuse me of anything that's true because I've never sinned. I've never made one mistake. I'm not guilty of a thing that I'm being accused of. But instead of getting my rights... I could call the angels. They would defend me and I would win. But you know what? Instead of getting my rights, I'm going to do what's right. Hallelujah. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Can I tell you something, child of God? As long as you're elbowing the world out of your way and deciding this is mine and I've got to have mine and everybody needs to stay out of mine, as long as you insist on having your rights, you can't do what God wants you to do. There's going to be some times when you have to do what the Bible says. If someone takes your shirt, give them your coat also. I know some people thinking, oh, no, BS, Pastor. No. Take my shirt, they're going to get the five-finger discount, you know. Pow. Mm-hmm. I look like I can fight, Gary, but I can't. I can run. 
I can talk my way out of a lot of stuff. Thank you, Jesus. While we're demanding that we have what's ours, God is saying, give it away. Give it away. Amen? Give it away. Stop demanding your rights. You know what? Love people. Have compassion for people. I'm not saying that you have to let them walk all over your life, but I'm saying from time to time, it's important for you to say, you know what, God? I'm not going to live this day for me. I'm going to live it for them. He said in Philippians here, he said, you know what? Esteem other people even more important than your own self. Come on. While we're demanding our rights, Jesus is telling us, look, as long as you're full of like, it's got to be mine and stay out of my stuff, you can't be full of the spirit of the living God. You got to empty yourself of that stuff. Amen. And finally, this morning, you got to empty yourself of your own will, of your own way of doing things. You know, Frank Sinatra sang the song, I did it my way. And then Elvis sang it, I did it my way. The whole song is about you get to the end of your life and uh, you look back and you realize that you did it your way and you kind of bump your chest, right? Can I tell you that that is not the life for a child of God? It's, I did it his way, amen? And as long as it's your way, it can be God's way. Let me tell you a secret. You can't find God's will by saying, I feel like this is what I want. That's the way a lot of people try to find God's will. They think, well, if I want it, that must be what God wants, right? I mean, he wants to give me the desires of my heart. You forget that it's only when you delight yourself in the Lord, that when he is the purpose and the goal of your life, then he gives you the desires of your heart. God is not in the business of fulfilling every uh, desire of the flesh that you ever had. And it doesn't have to always go your way. I know we look at our lives, our jobs, our careers, our bodies, our our situations, and we want it to go our way. Let's do it this way. I, I know how it needs to be done. And I want it to go the way I want it to go. But sometimes the way you want it to go is not the way God wants it to go. Amen? Sometimes you want the easy road, the shortcut, and God wants to take you the long way because you're going to learn some stuff over there that you'd never learn taking the shortcut. And so when God takes you this way, don't throw a temper tantrum. Don't get mad. Don't get upset. Just trust that God knows what he's doing. And let God be God. Because you're not God. Because if you were God, none of us would be here. Because you're not worth showing up on a Sunday morning to worship. Come on. And, and here's where the real, the real rubber meets the road. is. It's not just I got to go my way, but I got to end up where I want to end up. You know what? You know, when you give your life to the Lord and you tell the Lord how you want your life to end up, listen, you're missing out. That's not what it means. That's not what Christianity is. That's you being full of you rather than the spirit. You remember we talked last week about those who are full of the spirit of the living God are led where the spirit wants to lead them. Amen. And some of us, we're just dragging the spirit along behind us. The spirit is saying, I'll go that way. And we're just kind of dragging the Holy Ghost with us because we want him to go where we want to go and things to turn out how we want them to turn out. God, I want to have three kids and I want to have a house with a picket fence and I want to have two cars and we need to vacation uh, a lot. And my husband needs to look like this and 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 uh, he needs to have this kind of a job. And and, uh, you know, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be worried about money, Lord. So make that happen for me, God. You know, put that in. Put that in like Santa Claus or something, you know, uh, put that in and I'll take an Xbox too or whatever. You know, and we we think of our lives that way. Like I want this to turn out the way I want it to turn out. 
instead of doing what Jesus did and says, Lord, you know, I've got an opinion, Father, and, and you know, I don't want to be beaten and tortured and killed, but li- listen, whatever your will is, that's what I want. At the end of it all, in the depths of who I am, it doesn't have to go my way and it doesn't have to end my way. Can I tell you something? Your will and God's will will not always go together. And as long as you're full of it's got to be my way, you can't be full of the Spirit of God. We need a church that's willing to empty themselves of me so that we can be full of God. Jesus said something marvelous that I hope you get. I hope you really get this. He said, if you want to follow me, if you want to come after me, take up your cross and follow me. What was he saying? He said, there's a, there's a death to self involved. There's a death to I'm the king involved. It's taking me off the throne and putting God in my place. That's what your cross means. He said, you know, if you wish to save your life, you'll end up losing it. If you spend your life consumed with trying to find you and your happiness and what it's all about for you, you will end up never finding you. But he said, if you give yourself away for my sake, then you will find yourself. Then you will find life. You will find what you really were built for. You see, you were built to be a vessel through which the Holy Spirit of the living God flows. Somebody say amen today. Hallelujah. You were built to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit. But listen, God can't fill a vessel that's already been filled. Amen. He wants us all to be emptied so that we can be filled. Empty yourself. And listen, from time to time, you're going to have to go into your life, take an examination and empty some junk out of yourself so that God can refill you over and over again. Are you with me? It's not just a one time event. It's constantly reminding ourselves and getting rid of self. And it's all about me so that God can fill me. I want to look at something in Acts Chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, the first time, you see, Jesus lived, died, he set up everything, it is finished, he did the work, and it's up to the church to believe and follow through on what we believe. And uh, Jesus did the work, and he, uh, he rose from the dead, he appeared to the people for a while, and then he ascended into heaven. He told them beforehand, when I go into heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do my work in the world. Now you're going to be the body of Christ. You're going to be the vessel that the Holy Spirit flows through. And so he told them, listen, go to Jerusalem, find a place, be alone and wait. Don't do anything else until you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That's how important it is. He don't want you doing anything else until you're full of the Spirit. And before the Spirit fell, this is what it says about the people. These all with one mind, say one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. I want to read that again. Starting in 2. Make my joy complete by being of the what? Same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Unity is a theme, isn't it? The, the, the people, the 120 in the upper room before the Spirit fell and filled the church from the very beginning, they needed to be in one mind. They needed to be together in one place, in one mind, united. Jesus prayed to the Father, Lord, make them as one so that they will be as one. Unity is important. 
It matters. Some good things come out of us being together as one. But what does it mean to be united? Let me ask you a question. How in the world do you get 120 people united on anything? Anybody been married for very long? You know that two people can't agree on anything. Two people can't. I think that's why God says, listen, if I can get two of you to agree on anything, (laughs) it shall be done. Because like, if you ever agree on something with your wife, I'm like, oh, that's it. Done. It shall be done. Like, uh, like God is just waiting for two people to agree. You know why? Because we've all got our own opinions. We've all got our own viewpoints. We've all got our own agenda. Come on, some people come to church wanting to feel the spirit of God. Some people come to church wanting the sermon to be short because they got things to do this afternoon. Did I just walk into your world? Hmm? Some people like it when pastor preaches uh, uh, loudly and aggressively and, and other people wish he'd just calm down a little bit. We got our own mind, our own viewpoint, our own opinion. Some people wish church would start at 10. Some people wish it'd start at 11. Some people wish it would start at 12 or 1 or 2. And it doesn't matter when we start, you're going to be late anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, I'm knocking them out of the park today. Ain't I? <laughs> Jesus. We got our own opinions and own agenda. How in the world do you get 100 people, 120 people united on anything? On anything. Let me tell you how. They all got to be empty. That's the only way. Think of it this way. Think that if today after we left church, I took all of you to Burger King and bought uh, drinks for everybody, which I'm not doing, by the way. But if I did, (laughs) and they handed us, you know, 50 cups or how many people are here? If they handed us all the same size cup, when we all got our cup and held our empty cup, that would be the only time we'd be united. That's the only time that our drinks would look the same. Because as soon as we start putting our personal stuff in it, everything changes. Because he likes lots of ice, and he don't want any ice. And she likes Coke, and he likes Dr. Pepper. And Joe's liable to mix sweet tea and Dr. Pepper and whatever and all kinds of stuff together. Because once we put our own individual opinion in and our own likes and dislikes in, everything changes. The only time we're united is when everybody's cup is empty. Come on, is somebody getting this today? You know why the 120 had to go to the upper room and wait? Because they spent their time emptying themselves of me. And once they were empty of me, the Holy Spirit fell and he filled all of them. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something, church? God is calling us to empty ourselves of our own pleasures and our own rights and our own will and our own way so that he can fill us with his. Hallelujah. There is a power waiting for us. There's a purpose waiting for us. There's a way waiting for us. It doesn't come from me. It comes from us being filled with God. But God can't fill a vessel that's already full of something else. I want to play you something today that I heard online. And I want to talk to you about that. This is a guy that ministers. Go ahead, Joe. That ministers in, in China. With this uh, story. We go to China from time to time. And, and uh, uh, we train leaders. And this time we brought up 22 leaders from the Hunan province. And they rode 13 hours on a train to get to a hotel that they came up two by two in these elevators as, so as to not draw any attention. And then they got to a hotel room, a little apartment uh, room. It's only about 700 square feet in the little living room, no air conditioning, hardwood floor, 22 sat there. I came in and when you teach in China, you start at 8 in the morning and you don't get done till 5 at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? 
They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. And I looked at him and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out. Obviously, seven didn't get them. And I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then, one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway. And as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. She said, you have much time in prison. <laughs> so I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? She said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because <laughs> even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. I thought, wow. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. And you guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like, uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Uh, so. you, you know why the Spirit moves in China? Because they don't have stuff to fill their lives with, fill their vessels with. That's what he's trying to say, right? We don't want to be, we don't want you to be like us to where you have so much stuff, you're so consumed with getting the latest thing and having the latest stuff and being so worried about how you're going to make yourself happy. But you have nothing but Jesus. 
And because you have nothing but Jesus, your vessel's empty and the Holy Spirit can move in your life. Can I tell you something, church? If we want the Spirit to move, if we want God to move in our church, if you want God to move in your life, if you need his presence in his fullness and his power, he's not going to show up if your vessel is full of you. But if you empty your vessel, if you get rid of all of the selfish desires, if it's no longer about your pleasure but his purpose, if it's no longer about you having your rights but you doing what's right, if it's no longer about your will but it's about his will, when you get emptied of you, then God will fill your vessel and the Holy Spirit can begin to come up into your life and show up. I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to show up in your home and heal your body, do a work in your children and in your family and in your presence. And, and, and I believe he's going to do a work in your job. He's going to show up and do the miraculous in your career and in your job when we're full of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he's going to show up in our church and we're going to see the miraculous take place and lives being changed and people being touched, right? Hallelujah. But first we have to empty our vessels. So today, church, I'm calling us, I'm calling you to follow me. As we empty ourselves of me.